Welcome to Incommunicado, a weekly podcast exploring communication and the weird and wonderful realm of modern language. There's a special part of communication that's scorned by many, understood by few, but loved by us, and that part is jargon. Using jargon as a starting point for discussion, we want to delve deeper into what communication really is, how we communicate in our day-to-day lives, how we develop meaning through language, and how we can better navigate it. In each episode, we will be joined by a guest, delving into some of the big questions that we have. Why do we use jargon? When do we use it? Could we live without it? And when does it leave us incommunicado? Thanks for joining us on this episode of Incommunicado, hosted by myself, James Dellen, Creative Director of James Dellen Creative, a video communication and content marketing business. I'm also joined by James Burford, a recent music tech graduate from the Royal Birmingham Conservatoire. He works as a freelance marketer with a focus on managing social media campaigns. And also Amy Borchard, a creative consultant specialising in HR strategy for the museums and cultural heritage sector internationally don't you know but amy has a guest for us today so amy could you please introduce your wonderful guest and we'll get started of course i can thank you james so today we are joined by roy who is a chevening scholar and the business head of the daily star bangladesh's largest english daily roy and i are also currently co-authoring a creative journal called unsee and that is planned for publication in 2022 so hello roy Thank you, Amy. Thank you, James and James. Noted with thanks. Uh, you're welcome, Roy. But what have you noted? Oh, uh, nothing. It's just a uh, business jargon. Whenever you see an email, it says uh, noted with thanks. <laughs> like even if you get a uh, mail from your boss, you are fired. You are like, okay, thanks. <laughs> noted with thanks. <laughs> that's that's it's quite actually. L-O-L, what you are doing, it's L-O-L, according to the jargon. But again, uh, uh, according to a research by one American, what it's called, like uh, sentiment analysis or something like that, they said that L-O-L is the least preferred uh, jargon in business. Uh, that's I, interesting. It, it, uh, it's, it's, just, it, it's just FYI. Like yeah. for your information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's funny because like LOL is something that well, like we probably all like type out in text all the time. That's quite funny that it doesn't like we've we've not come into a, uh, a state where we accept that in the in the business world as well. I mean, it gets me thinking. What sort of other sort of terms or jargon do you think aren't acceptable in the workplace, Roy? It depends. It depends on workplace culture. Like there are organizations like Google, Facebook, where you are working on innovation. So it's a different kind of synergy. Or if it can be something like uh, working in a bank, which is very professional. Uh, working in agency could be something different, like you have more friendly culture. So it depends on culture. It depends on uh, organization. It depends on country as well. Uh, but uh, if you think about uh, business uh, etiquette or business uh, jargon i think there are some common things so worldwide whatever you like wherever you go i think mm. there's some common thing you mentioned fyi is that supposed to be something that is not prefer least preferred as well fyi is very common i think so mm. it's it's okay like for your information it takes like a long time so it's mm. rather you should say fyi and everyone understands uh then like what you want to say it's fine so like having common jargon is also good because in an environment where like-minded people or people in the same industry they are having a conversation 
So just one, two, three words or, or even just alphabets and you will understand what he or she's saying. It's fine. It's, mm. it's just language. So yeah. it's okay to have common jargons. That's mm. interesting because my experience of FYI is that it's usually reserved for when you don't actually want to talk to the person. You just Maybe you're just forwarding a document or you're forwarding some other uh, email from somebody else. You get an FYI. But my, my dad finds FYI very, very rude which is hilarious because he's um, a lawyer and they don't mince their words when they're writing letters themselves, you know what I mean? So, yeah, FYI, yeah, that's a good one. Is that in case you interpret that as, for your information? Yeah, it's a bit sassy, I think. I think Dad (laughs) thinks it's sassy anyway. It's a bit bossy, like your boss saying FYI or something like that, and you should should consider this, Yeah, something like that. So, I mean, obviously that crosses international borders, I'm just wondering whether you think the jargon used in Bangladesh differs from what we use here in the UK, or if you found any similarities from when you studied here. Yeah, so uh, as today we are talking about particularly business jargons or corporate jargons, uh, the corporate of corporate, like the concept of corporate uh, structure, it came from the West. So it's like, uh, like my, uh, my mother tongue is Bengali. Whenever I'm having conversation with my colleague, it's in Bengali. But if we consider our meeting minutes, our proposals or emails, those are in English. So uh, at that time, all the communication or jargons we are using, those are actually common uh, worldwide. So th- that's, that's the thing. Like whatever jargon we are using in UK or USA is same here in a corporate culture. But yes, uh, as this is a language, sometimes we can see some fusion. We can see uh, words are blending. Like I want to give one uh, funny example, which is a very recent trend in Bangladesh. Like we also like we have different languages worldwide, but there is also something called Gen Z languages. Like Gen Zs are coming up with new words, which we, uh, which is not even in the uh, dictionary. So uh, one example is like that. Whenever I ask something. Uh, like in my team, like someone I'm asking, like, what is the update of this task? Uh, like someone uh, from my team will say that, uh, don't worry, I'm doing it. Or don't worry, it's okay, it's fine, it's going on. So I have a lot of Zenzis in my team and they will actually say like this, para nai boss, chill. So what is para? Like, even, uh, like para, when you heard para, it's something like from paragraph, you were taking the word para. Actually, para means pain or ori. You don't have to ori. Even it's not even in the Bengali dictionary, but somehow it arrived from or derived from somewhere else. We don't know. But now this NC, they are saying everywhere para. Like uh, para in life means problem in life. So para nai chill. That means boss, don't worry, just chill. I'm doing it. It's it's on the track. That is even, workplace jargon, or they say it in their day. It's, it's, it's more like. Uh, uh, jargon uh they they when they're having conversation with friends but like i said these are gen z languages so when gen z's are working at workplace they also blend their personal like jargons in mm. at, like at uh workplace as well so and they say it like a uh, uh, hip-hop type thing like paranai chill so do, do you want to say it like like this paranai chill paranai chill <laughs> You need to roll your R, James. Oh, yeah, true. Imagine if I turn around to some of my, my the people I, uh, that I work for, you know. Yeah, pa- par- Paranite Chill. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I it depends on your boss as well. Like, I'm, mm. I'm, I think I'm a cool boss. I'm very friendly with my co-workers, maybe mm. for that. 
Yeah, that's really interesting. Paranai chill is like a uh, a cultural thing that's found its way into the workplace, and maybe that's just because you're you're such a cool boss, Roy. But <laughs> um, yeah, very interesting. Is it something that's happened since you've been there? No, it, it's just I shared one common thing. Like there are other yeah. other stuff as well. Yeah. But uh, this thing, like I found, it's it's very really, uh, interesting. Even like one bank. Uh, they made one advertisement with that this tagline as well, Paranite Chill. So oh, they wow. are talking about loan and they say you don't have to think, you can have it. So it's like a, a trendy thing now. Mm, so true. Roy, um, talk, talking about you you being a boss uh, and, and having employees underneath you, obviously there's a hierarchy in your office. I wonder, do you feel like the use of jargon or particular technical phrases, do you think there's an element of elitism that comes in with people who use jargon and those who don't? Yeah, I'll say like I have a marketing team and a sales team and I have to look after the digital marketing and digital business as well. Like for digital business, you have a lot of uh, terms like uh, impressions, like uh, how many impressions in a month you are getting from your website. So impression is total view. Like mm. if I ask it to someone else who has no idea about website, they will say impression. What impression? Is this like uh, what is my first impression? It's something mm. like that, but mm. it's not that. So... Uh, that can be one thing. There are something like we always say CTA, call to action. Whenever we are making a, a campaign, so the first thing comes is what is the CTA? USP. What whenever we are de- designing one new product, what's the unique selling proposition uh, you are using? That's very important. When we are doing competitor analysis, we always think about USP. So these common things uh, we need to know that. And if you know that, that means you have uh, a level of understanding or knowledge. Uh, in that particular field. So it's very important to have that uh, knowledge to use that jargon. So it's very important. But it's also important why are you using this jargon? Like whatever thing I say to you, the same thing if I uh, use while making a consumer or customer communication in an advertisement uh, using a lot of jargon, very tough terms, your reader will not understand and they Mm. will like say, we don't use this product because this is so tough. So it's very important uh, to have an H to H connection. H to H itself is a jargon. It means human to human connection. Mm. So always you have to build that a connection with whoever wh- whoever you are talking to, who uh, are the audiences. So that's very important to know. Uh, tell about you myself. Like I said, I'm a talented, creative, hardworking individual with broad skills and experiences in digital marketing and business development. So these are all jargon. So yeah, it's good about yourself, but also it shows like I'm, I'm very bookish. Like I'm, I'm mm. describing myself as mm. in a very bookish manner and not spontaneous. So there is always uh, a pros and cons using these common jargons. Going back to what <clears> you were saying about that level of understanding, that's that's important because in my team, so we're a team of eight, and we are all involved in pretty much every area of our business. So we have monthly marketing performance stats reviews. Our social media marketing coordinator will walk us through the stats for the month. So we will all be able to understand what's going well, what could be improved. She always uses terms that are very specific to marketing. So she'll say, these are the impressions, this is the reach, this is the click-through rate. And I had no idea what all of that meant when we fir- when we had our first um, meeting on it. And each meeting, she does basically need to remind us 
just gently like what these terms mean because we still need to be able to understand what all of that means in order to give any you know input into planning ahead and understanding from a from a simple point of view what that all means right there's something that i'm i was interested in um so so taking a step back from jargon and and looking at communication in general and obviously written communication in your field um with with the with the paper i wonder do you have to write for a certain intellect of your readership or does your newspaper sort of um go across all intellects i know i know for example that you know in, in england we have newspapers that are directed for certain groups of people i wonder how um how that exists in, in your newspaper in 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 with the written communication in that uh yeah like being the largest newspaper it's generalized generalized for the people of bangladesh but yes we have different uh, supplements like one is uh for the youth one is for uh, lifestyle another one is for showbiz so we have different supplements for different days but the main newspaper is more about national and international news uh, it's uh, it, it's a bit more corporate language because like you know as bangladesh is like most of us bangladeshis we uh, like used to talk in bengali english is a second language so that's why it's it's a bit niche market like whatever mm -hmm. uh, readership or viewership we have as a english newspaper the largest bengali newspaper has like 8 to 10 times more viewership because just because of the language i i had a quick question for you roy um and that was uh based on the facts that you were previously digital marketing manager and you were promoted to head of business did you find a huge shift or at least a shift in the language that you use day to day based on your change of role yeah like the language is same um it's it's like quite similar but again i say it like journalistic language and business yeah. language is different but the thing is a uh, floor is different as well like uh, mm. the floor uh, where is my desk it's like the business floor so we have finance uh, uh marketing sales administration hr yeah. all in one floor and in the second uh, in other two floors it's all uh, like uh, all about the journalists so it's different so every day i have to collaborate with my business colleagues Yeah. So that's one thing and uh, yes if i talk about digital marketing it was it's currently the subset of what i am doing but it's more uh, into sales and when uh, talking about business it's about meeting more clients so i'm now previously i was in the back end now i'm in the front end co communicating with all the clients managing the team the sales force who are actually bringing the business so now my jargons are different now it's like uh, uh previously it was about marketing and thinking about my uh, readers uh, now it's all about doing lot of negotiation with my uh, what i'll say like my clients as well so there are different jargons but that brings me neatly on to uh, something slightly askew but um according to the research published in the journal of personality and social psychology It's been found that when people hear someone using abstract language, they're more likely to respect that person. So what are your thoughts on that, Roy? Do you think that applies to jargon? I think it's it's a bit true. Uh like uh, as I say, like if someone is talking about a lot of jargon, that means he or she has that particular level of expertise. So a lot of jargons mean you know that thing. again it's important who are you communicating with but uh, there is a negative connotation as well like uh, i was uh, reading about a book it says why uh, business people speak like uh, idiot in that book uh, they were talking about that uh, 
the fake companies they craft always obscure confusing uninformative but very precise type of jargon so that people will feel like okay uh, this is a very good organization we might invest or we might buy product from them and then these fake companies later like uh, they can go away with all these vague languages they are using it's like if you see something vague or very full of jargon you feel like okay uh, i i don't have the expertise it's it's something uh, really great but i have no clue so okay fine this is good so that's a perception but i think this is this was a perception before but now people in this era of digitalization and internet anyone can google and understand anything so it's tough to fake people it's tough to fake other organization with just words so uh, i think it's it's half true but again uh, it's better to be simple when you are communicating it's not just using jargon will make you smarter mm. okay simplicity yeah. is more uh, something more smart and um, just before we move on from that point and you don't feel like you have to give me any um specific examples for this but you talk about having such a diverse age range in your um in your working uh, life i presume oh, well you can tell me have there been any difficulties in communication because of the 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 difference in age range in in your office have things become lost in translation due to, simply due to the fact that the 22 year olds will mm. will use a different type of communication different type of language different types of jargon than the 56 year old would uh yes like uh, whenever i'm talking to someone like in my team i have to get prepared understanding their age first because mm. uh someone who is 22 they are uh full of energy they are agile they adopt they can adopt change anytime uh, but again they lack experience on the other hand i have that experienced team those who have like 20 years more experience than me but again now if i want to brief them something i can't just command them i have to be very empathetic and let them understand uh, what is our common goal so that we can achieve it together so the mm. the things are different when i'm communicating uh, mm to people who are elder and who are younger to me. That's so interesting. That, so that brings up that, uh, I'm going to keep saying this, that linguistic chameleon uh, thing where you have to, you have to, as you've just said, Roy, quite quite, um, quite clearly, you have to adapt your language based on the, the, the person you are, you're talking to. And, and you've quite rightly said that that is down to perhaps their intellect or their expertise or their age, for example. It's funny how that keeps cropping up in, in, in the few podcasts that we've recorded so far. Can I jump in on that? Because, um, yes, I think that is a good point to make, James. There, there is this chameleon-like um, skill that you have to have in business. But I would also suggest that it's it's contextual as well because Roy's a leader. So he, he must be able to communicate with uh, everyone that is working for him as his team. And so age, um, while it might play its part, if you know we all know he's a cool boss but when it's time for weekly briefing or when it's time for um you know a, a, a proper meeting that context dictates the sort of language that you would be using roy do you what do you think to that do you think context has a bigger part to play than the person or do you think they interplay together yes it, it's more about context and um, not only context it's about like the outcome i'm planning so okay. whenever i talk to someone i i first like uh uh 
note down what are my objectives and goals and what's the outcome I want to reach and uh, how actually I can reach with that uh, people. It can be my client, it can be my teammate, it can be someone from uh, different cross-function or it can be my boss. So if you know your objective first while you are communicating, then you can adopt adopt different uh, kind of communication that you are going to say. So that's very important. Okay. So yes, uh, so outcome it's, itself is a context. So I can say it's contextual. What I find quite interesting is the perception that when you, so if you're entry level joining an organization, um, there's this understanding that you need to learn the lingo as you kind of work your way up. Um, and I know this is a conversation that we were having with Linda when we spoke with her. And she was saying when she first went into marketing, she had to learn all the terms as she went along. And, you know, it is a learning process. But actually, you're saying that in your organization, you're very much also learning from the younger people in your organization. And I think that's becoming more and more prevalent um, in a modern working world where we do have a lot more younger people with different skills and perspectives than before, or perhaps than before. So I'm, I'm very fascinated by that, that the learning or the knowledge sharing that you were talking about earlier is a much more two-way thing than, than before. Yes, it's like uh, to be agile, uh, to, to, to be adaptive, you need to learn from your youngest or the new generation because that's, this is a very fast changing world. Like one thing, uh, I now want to learn Snapchat marketing or how to use Snapchat mm. from one of my uh, team members because I don't have a Snapchat because like my friends, they don't use Snapchat. I'm 32 yeah. plus. So it's like, it's not my generation, but if I don't know what is Snapchat, maybe after five years when Snapchat marketing is everything, mm. I will uh, lose the grip. So mm -hmm. uh, th th that's the thing. You have to learn from youngsters what are the changes coming up and uh, how can you actually know what's happening happening around the world. Yeah. So when you think about Snapchat and TikTok, I mean, Snapchat almost feels old now. Yeah. Um, but, but if you think about TikTok and whatever is has already come next after that, um, it's interesting to think there is jargon that stays the same when you're talking about that you, the use of that social media platform. Um, and hashtags. I guess how you, sorry. Hashtags. I mean, we didn't yeah. really, we didn't really get into hashtags until Twitter. Mm. And, um, you know, it, it's by far, well, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but in my experience, it's, um, by far one of the most important things to consider when you're writing, designing your post or designing, yeah. uh, ways to engage, way, ways to help your audience engage. And, um, hashtag has per permeated into, social jargon as well because you know like we all we'll, we'll text each other when we say something funny and and we'll devise a hashtag around it something like that and and the way that technology drives the change in business and the change in um culture it we'd all be remiss to not understand that the jargon is actually extremely important when it comes to being able to understand these these new bits of tech. Roy, you and I are from the same generation, so Snapchat is is something that's just not really on my radar. But as Amy says, um, and maybe it's different in Bangladesh, but certainly in the UK, it's kind of, I feel like I've missed it and I don't really care about it anymore. It's gone because I just don't hear people talking about it. And in fact, in popular culture, there's there's quite a few things that I watch, like sitcoms and and, and dramas and whatnot. And uh, the amount of slating that Snapchat gets in tech sitcoms in particular is hilarious. Like it's, um, it seems to have just gone. But then we've got this behemoth of TikTok 
just coming over mm. the hill. In, in, you know, maybe the TikTok engineers understand how it works, and those who have already become another piece of jargon, TikTok famous, they, influencers, influencers, yeah, KOLs. It's it's um, it's interesting that this understanding of this tech is not down to a an academic bookish understanding. It's down to a practical. They're using it every mm. day just because it's something that they do, and um, you know we're hung up on trying to work out what the hell it is that they're doing so that we can reach them. We can reach them as um, punters. We can reach them as, uh, uh, what's the word, um, customers, clients, whatever. I feel like the tech is driving the business behaviour and the business behaviour has to understand how these things work and understanding how they work eventually comes back to the jargon used in describing those platforms. What do we think? Yes, like... You, you you said about hashtags, like uh, now hashtag is a must in any marketing communication. Whatever campaign we are designing, we need to have on hashtag. But if we uh, read any business books 10 years or 15 years ago, there's nothing related to hashtag. But now I think they are the academics, they are now adopting those things. There are now new journals and new models where you can incorporate these things. So, uh, yes, it's technical thing is like first uh, someone is innovating something and then it's coming to the business model rather than uh, making a model and then implementing something. Fantastic. Mm. Amy, did you have something else you wanted to jump in with? I've got two things now, but the, the first one, I, th- I mean, even when you think of Instagram, like that's been around for some while now. Um but now we have reels and I, I still don't really understand what they are and how you properly use them. And I'm sure James Burford, you have a better understanding, but it, I, I think, so when we talk about engagement on Instagram, there are so many more layers to engagement now. So for example, at work, if we say, okay, we're going to put a post out, post isn't enough anymore is it a post on the grid is it a story is it going to be a poll is it going to be an ask me a question feature like there are so many different ways that you can engage an audience and it's no longer just post something on the grid they and it's making those decisions like okay why is this going to be a story and not a post why is it going to be a reel and not a post why is it going to be a video and it's what are we going to achieve um, depending on wh- which one we decide to use. And that's within a single platform. That's why they are saying it's like it's a campaign and there are different ad sets. And after that ad sets, you will have lots of ads which are creative. Mm. So that's how they design it because you have to disseminate it uh, through different uh, ways. Just to talk sort of around the subject there, Amy, w- when you mentioned Reels, you know, there's, there's this shorthand in marketing that Reels is, is TikTok for Instagram. And what happened yeah. in It came my, out of TikTok, didn't it? Well, of course, yeah. I mean, that, it's the same format. It, it's what it is. It's very short form, um, algorithmic based uh, display of information. So mm. the, 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 and this links back to the Snapchat thing because um, as soon as uh, Instagram introduced stories, Snapchat started to, for their share, share price started to fall, like mm. hugely. And um, now that they've introduced Reels, I'd be really interested to see what happens to TikTok as a platform because I feel like it's just going to be swallowed up by Instagram, which essentially is Facebook. And the whole point of um, devising these new ways of distributing the content 
is in order for Facebook to be the one place, the one-stop shop on the internet where you do all of your advertising, where you do all of your content distribution. So, I mean, I, that's not necessarily linked to language and jargon. I just think it's interesting that, that that's what they're trying to do. They're, they're trying to um, become the, the, the Google of social media, really, and um, the Google of, of information dissemination. Roy, I have a question for you. Um, going, we're taking a step back slightly, but I think it's worth asking you anyway. So I know you have a chief executive show. Um, I'm not sure if you'd like to just quickly explain what that is in summary so that I don't butcher it. Okay. So the chief executive show, it's a Facebook live show, uh, like from the platform of Daily Star. And uh, what I uh, do is like I invite two CEOs of uh, Bangladesh, uh, a Bangladeshi uh, or, or, or like origin. It's like uh, uh, who are actually Bangladeshi CEOs, not someone foreigner uh, who is actually leading. So all those homegrown CEOs, I invite them and I talk about different aspects like how they became CEO, uh, what was their uh, motivation and when they actually thought that they can uh, go to the top and they what, what are the suggestions uh, related to uh, all sorts of leadership so mm -hmm. that's how i used to do that so i just finished the season one uh, there were like 20 ceos uh, what i'm planning is like uh, to take all the conversation and bring a book from that uh, conversation uh, naming ceo perspective yeah so that's the plan Amazing. So, so my question on that was, so when you were thinking about your audience and the people that you were bringing on, I mean, you, you've made it very clear what your angle was there, but it, did you have that awareness of who your audience is going to be and therefore the, the kind of language or the way that you're going to frame those conversations um, to help that audience to understand? Like, for example, could we watch it and like gain value from it or is it very, very context specific? Do you need to be at a certain point in your career to understand? It's, it's, it's yeah, like uh, like I try to keep it keep it generic, and it's more about leadership, not about the organization which they are you know, like representing. So it's not about how their organization is uh, being successful or what's their plan. It's more about how, as a corporate, uh, he or she uh, came up the ladder. It's about that and all their leadership principles. I talk about that based on uh, different uh, examples they are giving. And you know, like as they they were C CEOs and I talked about their CEO life. So there were a lot of corporate jargons because uh, whenever like I invited someone who is a CEO of a bank, so there are a lot of terms relevant to a uh, bank, their growth, it came uh, along. And then if when I talked about someone from the logistics industries, it was about logistics and communication, yeah. how they're actually utilizing the transportation system. So that's how I use a lot of jargons. Mm -hmm. It's it's not that actually I didn't concentrate too much about my listeners because uh, if, if, we, if I don't use that jargons, uh, while I was having conversation with them, the uh, gist or what are the info information that we wanted to bring out yeah. from them uh, wouldn't be possible. So that's why I used uh, the jargons that those are necessary. Yeah. So, so you made an assumption there, really, that your listeners would understand the world um, th that your conversation 
yes because like actually like uh, we have different talk shows like we have celebrity talk shows we have the ceo talk show yeah. uh there are talk shows which are uh, related to uh different sports persons so mm -hmm. uh here i thought like who actually will be the viewer of this uh, ceo show it could be young corporates who aspire to be a leader one day or yeah. students who will graduate soon uh, so Uh, that's how i plan and mm -hmm. uh, like i assume like they have a bit understanding about those jargons yeah okay interesting i i'd be interested to know so now that that series has come to its end um if you have that kind of reflection period on who were your listeners and were they who you thought they would be um and is there an implication there on the language that you used and how you framed those conversations um on whether your at your listeners matched your expectation Yes, like of course, like if if I come up with uh, a season two, mm -hmm. I'll obviously consider about consider about the listeners as well. Yeah, cool. That, like that's a good outcome of this show as well. That's a suggestion I got from you. <laughs> so, uh, Roy, we'll move on to our feature that we like to uh, invite our guests to participate in, and it's called "What Does It All Mean?" And what we like to do is ask our guests to challenge us. With a piece of industry-specific jargon, industry-specific to them, to you, and to see if we could guess what it actually means if we don't already know, and if we do already know, we're disqualified and we don't have a guess. So my question is, what do you think is the most niche, obscure, interesting piece of jargon that you know, specifically related to your industry? One one thing we use. Uh... Regularly, it's called you know, CPM. Do you know what is that? Uh, is this cost per mil? No. Okay. Um, that's your guess, gone. CPM. Uh, uh, clicks per. I don't know mil or something. You know, like it, it's to do with the. All right, you stole mine. <laughs> you're there. Okay. Did you say so, the same uh, thing? What, what what was yours, James? I said cost per mil, as in M I W L E, the French for a thousand. Uh, yeah, you were right. Yeah. Oh, I was right. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like we, I I didn't use that. Like we use cost per thousand impression. Yeah. So we use things like that. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. So um, do you, so I mean that that's interesting though. I mean maybe the other guys can have a guess at what cost per mil actually means. Mm. I mean, Roy kind of just said it, but I know James doesn't listen very well, so maybe he didn't pick it up. That's horrible, horrible. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, James is having a think. Amy, do you know what cost per mil means? What did you say, Roy? You use cost per thousand what? Impression. Is it? This is really rogue, so I'll go first. You've probably got it, James. But making a judgment on whether. The money that went into the campaign was worth it, based on the reach or the outcome of, of that activity. Yeah, I, I was going to say something along similar lines there. Say, for example, you've got a particular budget for for paid advertising. The amount, say, let's say, for example, you've got you know a hundred pounds, and you have a hundred impressions. Well, that's cost you one pound per mm. impression. Yeah, I mean that's not a bad stab at it. I, I wouldn't say. What would you say, Roy? I think they've they've pretty much. Uh... They pretty much understood what cost per mil means, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. I, I love how deep Amy goes in it. Like, is it to do with the value? Is it a reflective thing about how much you've <laughs> saved or how much you've spent? No, darling, it's just how much you spent. It's, <laughs> like, it's Amy, <laughs> Amy's one is like that from the book, Why Business People Speak Like Idiots. Like, <laughs> they about a lot of things. <laughs> so, so there's no like reflective analysis as part of that at all? Well, that, yeah, of course it's there will like be. like how much did we spend? Yeah, but cost, CPM is... Yeah, as it standalone is a standalone term to say mm -hmm. um, it can work two ways actually so YouTube uses the metric CPM to um, to tell you how much they are going to pay you for every thousand people that see an ad on your channel mm. whereas marketers certainly in my field anyway we use it as a measuring device of how much we need to spend in order to attain a thousand impressions mm -hmm. and those of us in the know uh, know that impressions are like you've got to get thousands and thousands and thousands to actually like get your get your engagement up. Impressions do not actually relate that directly to engagement. Absolutely, you can have a million impressions and zero engagement. Yep, that's yeah. But you still, if you're paying for advertising to reach those million people, then yeah, you would you would expect the impressions. To yeah, be that's that's the risk in in um, digital marketing is that you can spend thousands, millions, billions if you really want to on um, mm. uh, on your uh, as part of your CPM figure, but actually it only refers to the impressions, so it doesn't doesn't directly relate to how many sales you can make off that ad mm. budget. Because so it's not a compromise for having bad content. Basically. Absolutely not. No, mm -mm. no. Mm -mm. I mean, your your no. CPM needs to be. You need to set what you think is a reasonable CPM. Certainly, in my field, Roy, you might have a different uh, take on this, but in my field, you have to determine before you go into the campaign what you want your CPM to be, and that's based, yes, on how many people you want to reach, but. If you haven't planned or designed your um, content properly, then it's just you might as well set the money on fire. Mm. So CPM is the rate like we have, like we have one particular inventory yeah. uh, on a website, and someone wants to put the advertisement, so we can say like, yeah, two million is our monthly uh, impression. So they will now calculate like uh, what is the CPM and according to that they will make a budget and now after one month we will give them a report whether it can be more it can be less but they will pay based on the impression. Yeah. So per thousand impression there is a rate that they will pay us that's how actually CPM works. Yeah 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 very interesting. Well um, thank you very much I, I think we can start to draw things to a close if everybody's happy. So thank you so much for joining us today, Roy. It's been a very, very informative conversation. So I would just like to round up by asking you all, what do we think the takeaways are of today? Oh, takeaway. It's it's also a jargon. I think uh, you are referring to <laughs> one jargon, right? Yeah. Well, we start with jargon. We've got to finish with jargon, haven't we? Mm. Thanks. So um, my takeaway from today is... Uh, just how cohesive a business can be even through the use of jargon. If it's a big organization like the Daily Star, it doesn't matter whether you're on the journalist side or on the business side, you can still have a cohesive team through communication, through the use of jargon, and uh, through the use of um, knowing and understanding what everybody's talking about. That's my takeaway. Mm.
And for, and for me, it's, I mean, it seems obvious now that we've discussed it, but in such a diverse team where you have different people of different ages, you know, it's, it really is important, you know, if, if you're in a position as, as you are, Roy, to, to understand how different, um, different age groups communicate, because in your position, you've got to be able to communicate with them both effectively and clearly to get the job done. It, as I say, it seems obvious now that, that different generations will have different uh, pieces of jargon or phrases or even their own language. Um yeah, it's important. It's, uh, what I've realised is that, yeah, if you want to make, make a team work, um, as you are clearly doing, Roy, you've got to be an expert at understanding those different types of communication. Nice. Amy? Yes, so I would say coming at it from, a, from an HR perspective, obviously because of my background, one of the biggest takeaways for me has been the conversation around how the jargon that we use within our workplace is becoming more and more ubiquitous a- a- across an organisation and it's no longer... Uh, we no longer have as much jargon, I should say, that is unique to one specific department. Um, and, I, and I think that does depend, of course, on the size of the organisation as well. My understanding uh, of the Daily Star is that you are very agile, and I think that's a very positive thing. Sure. Um, and I'm sure that does contribute to your success as an organisation as well. Roy, is there anything that you've taken away from this conversation or anything that you would like to personally explore further going forward? Yes, it's like I, I, I that that I said. Like if if we want to take a take away from uh, today's conversation, it's about understand your audience first, and uh, communication is a process. Make it simple and uh, think about what what is your objective, so that you can uh, get the return. Because like uh, using excessive jargons, and at the end of the day, you are not getting the delivery or your result. Uh, there's no meaning of uh, having the communication. So think it as a structured process so that it's a cycle, it's a loop. Great. Yeah. So that brings us to the end of this episode today. Thank you, Roy, once again for being here. For our listeners, we have a variety of speakers on this series of Incommunicado, so do make sure that you don't miss out and uh, get involved. Amy, would you like to tell our wonderful listeners how they can get involved? Of course. So you can find us on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook and YouTube at Podcast, and that's spelled I-N-C-O-M-M podcast thank you very much and james when they get to those places what do you think they should do yeah, if you want to get involved in our um in our conversation make sure that you're you know you're liking commenting subscribing sharing following and all the other verbs that we use across social media uh, but if you want to get in contact directly then you can email us at hello at incompodcast.com and if you want to support the podcast please head to the website which is www.incompodcast.com to find further instructions on how to do so thank you so much for listening today we will catch up with you in the next episode thank you thank you keep up the good work it's also a jargon thank you roy <laughs> <laughs> noted with thanks roy <laughs> <laughs>